Sources. Cuban is beside himself. Driving around downtown Dallas, begging. Through texts. Jordan's family for the address to DeAndre Jordan's house. We crushed them on the basketball court, and we're going to for years because of the way we've built this team. We're light years ahead of probably every other team in the structure. In planning, and how we're going to go about things. Anything is possible! Holy cannoli, the NBA season is over. The Golden State Warriors have defeated the Boston Celtics four games to two in the 2022 NBA Finals. And Sports Ball the Ring is here once again to do a post-mortem of the season. It's me, Bartley. I'm here with Shellen. I've been talking to prevent him from talking because I'm sure he's like shirtless, got face paint on, running around like a madman. But uh Welcome back to the Warriors Invitational, baby. <laughs> yeah. I guess Shellen, um what we're gonna talk about here for this episode is a little bit about the finals, and then I have some questions I want to throw to you as a kind of like postseason rundown stuff. Uh I guess I'll just open it to the floor for you first. Uh what'd you think about the finals? Yeah, I mean, you you stole the 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 Clay Thompson line, the right to open the podcast there from me. I uh, I loved it. It was great. I was pretty pessimistic going into the finals, to be honest. Um, I think a lot of that was thinking regular season Boston, how good they looked down the stretch. You know, I I was I was kind of creeping up the the positive feelings after watching you know a couple of those games in each of their last two series in the East where they just kind of forgot how to play basketball. You know, they looked great some games, and then, you know, they'd lose by like 20 or 30, the Milwaukee or Miami. Uh, but I, I still was pretty low on our chances in the, you know, especially after game one. Um, I was kind of thinking, you know, the defensive length of Boston, how they play defense, Williams especially, is incredible after watching him for six games. So to to come out of that, you know, as a fan watching six pretty stressful games, like they were all maybe not close in the last closing minutes of the fourth quarter, but they were all close basically for the majority of the game. It was a fun experience as a fan, but it was a, a stressful one as well. So I'm, I'm glad that that part's over. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the scores. It's strange to think about each of those games was decided by more than 10 points when it seemed like they were a lot closer than that. And then. Yeah, there was like a run at the end that kind of sealed every one of them, it seemed like, almost. Yeah, so it was like, I would say up to probably, you know, I'm just going off the top of my head, maybe to like halfway through the fourth quarter. I think every game was pretty in the balance still, you know. Someone yeah. else, someone could have won, but uh, yeah, by the end it was, they often looked like, wow, this other team was pretty dominant, but um, not so much the case if you fully watched the games. Um, it's funny you mentioned that you didn't think the Warriors were going to win because on my personal Twitter, uh, basically what I thought was going to happen is kind of what played out a little bit. I said I thought the Warriors would win in six. I thought that the Celtics were um, a better team. Obviously, they're not a better team. They lost, right? right? But I thought that they had some matchup advantages, and I thought their defense was really good. Um, I thought they had... This one I was wrong about, and I'll get to this in a second here. I thought that their roster was a little bit better. Um, but that I thought they're just so prone to making a lot of mistakes and that the Warriors would um, make less and they would pounce on the, the Celtics ones and that the the Warriors would win despite 
probably not being as good as the Celtics. And that's kind of what happened, I thought. Um, I guess let's just go. Do you want to talk about the let's talk about the Warriors first before we talk about the Celtics here? Because it's going to be a little bit railing on the Celtics, a little bit down, uh, a little bit of positive for them. But um, what did you think about the Warriors in this series? Well, um, there's a lot of different places you can kind of go on this, but I think it all starts with Steph, obviously. Uh, we we saw him kind of doing the, the the classic carry job on a bad team last year where, you know, his volume stats were up. He, you know, was kind of in the MVP conversation on a fairly mediocre team just because he was putting up crazy numbers. And especially at the end of the season, had to be putting up these numbers for this team to win because they just didn't have any other scoring. Uh, so it had been a couple years, I think, since we had seen Steph in high leverage situations. And to be able to get to see him performing like he did, again, you know, averaging over the 30 points, uh, basically dominating the fourth quarters of a lot of these games. Just to remind us again, like, you know, this guy is still one of the top five players in the NBA, you know, right now. And there's still very few people that change a game of basketball and how a team has to play defense as much as Steph, as we saw with what happened with the Celtics uh, attempt in game five there. Um, yeah. But, and then I think any, any other talk has to go with, you know, obviously Steph kind of had to do more of a carry job because the rest of the core is getting a little older. Clay's not the clay that we saw in 2017, and neither is Draymond. Despite occasionally seeing flashes of it, they're not providing the same consistency. But then you also got Wiggins coming up huge, who I think you're obviously going to want to talk about. K-pop icon and 2022 NBA All-Star <laughs> starter, Andrew Wiggins, yes. being the second best player on the Warriors all playoff long, but especially in the, in the finals there. Um, without him, this team is dead in the water. I think they don't have the, the one-on-one defender that just gave Tatum especially fits all series long. Um, so there, there's a lot of different places you can go. Basically, the last time the Warriors lost the finals, the, the two times we talk about their role players and bench guys not coming up well in this one, like Porter, Peyton, Poole, uh, all, all played exactly what you needed them to do off the bench. None of them were spectacular, but they came, gave good minutes, played good enough defense, and hit their open shots. So, I mean, it, it was an all-around just great team performance, I thought, by the Warriors, basically top to bottom. But it, it starts and ends with Steph. Yeah, we'll get to the bench stuff when we talk about the Celtics. I want to get to that. But, yeah, I have some things to kind of back up your, your Steph stuff here. That's kind of what I want to talk about as well. It reminded me very much of, you remember those early Cavs teams where LeBron was like, his second best player was like Mo Williams. Like his front line was like a young Verja who was not polished yet. And like Nogauskas and, you know, everybody was like, JJ Hickson, he's the future guy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, you remember those teams? teams were trash, man. They were not good. I know the East was terrible back then. um, But LeBron had to do a lot to get those teams to the finals. And I think we can... At the time, I don't think we appreciated and realized exactly what he was doing and his level of greatness. I think because the East was so weak, we were kind of like, whatever, it's a cakewalk. But um, yeah, those were, those were not good teams and those were not a lot of good players. Um, you know, you mentioned Steph. He had, uh, just to read his, uh, some of his final stats here, averaged 31 two points per game, six rebounds, five assists, made 5.2 threes per game. He really did do it all. And I think the one that... Um, solidifies this this is going to be a little confusing for people if they're not um that into 
basketball try to explain this here. I'm going to read some offensive ratings here. So on the, when Steph was on the court, the Warriors had a 115.8 offensive rating. In the regular season, the best offensive rating was like uh, 116, I think, 0.7. It's about 116. So with him, they would have been one of the best offenses in the NBA in the regular season. Without him, their offensive rating was 88.6. Yeah. And in the regular season, the, team with, the teams with the worst, so like Houston and Oklahoma City because they were terrible, it was 104. Like, that's way, way lower than even the worst teams in the NBA. And those teams were, like, really bad. Obviously, they finished at the bottom of the NBA. So it really goes to show you how much he was carrying the team and how important he was because they really just didn't have much outside of him. Um, something I'm curious about, if we had went into the series, uh, or if we had done this before the series started, Shellen, and we had said, Let's, this is a classic um, exercise, we'll take the five starters, rank them one through ten, um, one being the best, ten being the least best. Right. So obviously Steph is number one. How long does it take for you to get to the to another warrior? I mean, before the series started, I would have been like five, six, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Because I mean, Brown and Tatum, or Tatum and Brown are two, three, right? Yeah. I think we can mm-hmm. pretty much easily say that. And you're saying like going into the series, uh, going so, into the series, know, first first week in June there. What are we saying? Right, Time Lord. He was still nursing the knee injury a little bit, which might make me question it a tiny bit. But yeah, I mean, you could probably go Time Lord or Wiggins there interchangeably. But it, it was like I thought pretty. If you did that, the Warriors would have had most of the guys at the bottom, and the Celtics would have either been towards the top and towards the top middle, and. Um, it's not quite how it worked out. Um, we can get to that a little bit, but I really thought when you kind of did that exercise, it was like, boy, you know, clearly Steph is, I thought it was like far and away, obviously better than, uh, Tatum and Brown at number two, number three, but it was like, it's a pretty big drop off for his teammates. And I, you know, I think that statistic I read about the offensive rating bears that out that, um, I'm sorry to say it, but your boy clay was looking pretty rough. Um, his shooting was not great. He had some okay games, and he had a few moments, as you mentioned, where he played really good defense. I think there were a couple games where it was like, oh, he's staying in front of guys. He's you know directing them in the right spots. He looked pretty good, but a long stretches where it was like, oh, man, he looks awful. And it makes sense. He had played basketball for like 900 days, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Draymond was... He had more bad games than good games. I would say he had two good games. One that was... Um, game five, I thought he was... Um, Somewhere between okay and good. Um, he did foul out, so how good can you be if you fouled out? It's kind of mm-hmm. how I feel. But um, in those games, he was really terrible. And it's like, man, these are supposed to be their three best players, and they're playing like trash, uh, two of right. them. You know, they're really hurting the team. Um, but as you mentioned, it really was Wiggins who stepped up, which surprised me because at one point, I forget what game it was, uh, probably four, because I think that was the one where he had the 17 and 16, I think, right? Right. Um, I was like, boy, this is going to be tough for the, the Warriors because if Wiggins is going to have to be your second best player in a title team, that is a big ask because he had just never shown us anything like that before. Uh, but I was very impressed. He, you know, he averaged 18.3 points per game, 8.8 rebounds. And as you mentioned, his defense on Tatum, um, who we'll get to in a little bit, Tatum was like a ghost at 
certain points. And Wiggins really did a great job defending him one-on-one and shutting down their best player. But it really was the Steph show uh, for that finals. Very deserved, of course, for the the finals MVP. Uh, Even for all the the Wiggins jokes I loved. um, Because he really did save their... I thought in uh, Game 5, when Steph was cold, Wiggins saved them because uh, kind of nobody else really had it going at his to get 26 points but his energy level his rebounding and his defense made up for a lot of stuff in that game and i was very impressed for a player who for a long time was criticized for empty stats kind of floating through games um i guess he was just miscast right yeah. um and it's, it's he a was lot ne- easier he was to... never the guy yeah if you're if you're a guy that you know some people are, say, struggling with effort. It's a lot easier to be giving 100% when you're on a team that's competing for a title than it is when you're kind of just going through the motions <laughs> for that team, right? I mean, specifically Minnesota, anything. yeah. Yeah, I mean, and who knows? Like, I didn't watch enough Minnesota, but that was, you know, always kind of the argument. He's an empty stats guy, or maybe he's not trying quite as hard. But, like, nobody tries as hard as they do during the regular season as they do the playoffs, right? Yeah. Like, at all. Uh, so. Definitely. Stuff to say, but yes, he did find a perfect a perfect role here on this Warriors team, and and adapted to it well and embraced it really, which I think is great for him. Like you know, I I didn't know much about it beforehand, but how often do you see a you know a number one pick that comes in kind of with all this hype that is willing to basically just be a rebounder and cutter. You know what I mean? And maybe hit, mm-hmm. shoot some open threes. Like, and he, he did everything he could have possibly done at Aston Moore. Yeah. I mean, he was second best player in a title team. If we had, if you had told me that when he was drafted, I would have been like, you know, I think that was a big draft where a lot of people are talking about the prospects and how I think that was the Jabari draft too. I think right? I forget exactly, but in Embiid, I think maybe as well. Is that right? I don't remember, but I think so. Cause I think people were like rigging for Wiggins and, Sorry for Jabari. I think it was what people were saying and stuff like that. But and people were so hyped on him, and um, he was so you know sought after. And it's funny LeBron didn't put him in that letter <laughs> when he came to the team, and it, it signaled that he wanted him gone and traded. Because, um, yeah, I think if you were to be like number one overall pick, was second plus player in a title team, uh. Because I think he was in the in the in that finals. Um, I think a lot of people would agree. That's actually, it's funny how quickly the narrative changes, right? Because we always thought of him as kind of I, I wouldn't say a bust because he wasn't bad. He was just a disappointment, right? But then you look at what he did, and you have to be impressed uh, with what he did, as you've said. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's move on to though quickly. <laughs> let's talk about what did not impress us: the Boston Celtics. Um, boy, I think the, the ones, I'm just gonna read you some stats here, um, Shellen, uh, just to get us going here. So the one everybody saw is that in the, in the postseason, Tatum is the first player ever to have 100 turnovers. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Not good. Um, I will say this player who had the second most is LeBron. And so it's like, do we think LeBron is a bad player? No, it's, it's kind of like, if you got the ball a lot as they were trying to run a lot of offense through Tatum, as they did with LeBron, you're going to turn the ball over a lot, too, you know? Um, there are games where Luka has, you know, six, seven turnovers, and we don't bat an eye, right? 
Because right. sometimes when you have the ball a lot, you're going to turn it over. It was the way he turned the ball over, I thought, a lot. It was just um, the same thing over and over again, in my opinion, on his types of turnovers where it's like, he's going into dribble stripped from him. Yep. Uh, he's uh, going into the lane and he throws it back because he can't make a decision and then he throws it away and stuff. It was a lot of the same stuff. Um, and then uh, to go off of the turnovers thing, another one a lot of people pointed out, uh, they were 1-8 and eight this postseason where they had 16 or more turnovers. Like, it's pretty number. obvious you're not going to yep. win not going to win games if you turn the ball over a lot. Uh, they had 22 in the, the final game six. I think the Warriors had like 15. They had a lot too. They had a lot of turnovers. But uh, yeah, just really sloppy with the ball. Him and Jalen Brown. Um, it always seemed like whenever Jalen Brown was trying to dribble and go in the lane, he was dribbling it off his foot or somebody. Uh, and um, some more Tatum stats. I'm I don't want to get to some things that I was impressed with the Celtics, but I have to go for the disappointment of them because they came in, as you mentioned, I, you thought they were going to win. They came in so hot. They defeated Katie and the Nets, who I know we both picked the Celtics to advance um, in our uh, preview. Right. But they beat. Swept I know. Them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, swept them, which is pretty impressive. Um, we'll get to the Bucks series. They did beat the Bucks. Um, and then. You know, I know they almost gacked that Heat <laughs> series, but they did win on the road in a Game 7. Um, and it was so high, and then they just came in and they looked so poor. You know, um, the last ones I'll read here for Tatum. In um, in the fourth quarter, he shot in like the 20th, 20s percentile. Um, yep. Not good. Uh, under 50% in his layups, which is like um, his layup percentage was like if that was from three that'd be pretty good and it's like that's from that's a layup that's bad (laughs) you gotta be shooting better than that and in the finals he was only um 36.7 percent from the floor and from two-point range this is crazy he was only 31.6 i think speaks to i think he was battled at times in the wiggins defense uh really got to him uh so uh, overall i i am disappointed by their performance i Stuff to say because Tatum is twenty four. A lot of time, um, but finals they don't always you don't always make a finals again. You know you have to capitalize. We all thought that the Suns um, will be back this year, right? Suns. We thought the Thunder, that Thunder team. We were like, Thunder oh, yep. people. People said when they took that picture of the three of them, Harden, Westbrook, and Durant. Oh, this will not be the last time here. That was the last time they were there. Yep. Um, obviously, little different scenario. They broke the team up, but. Right, but who knows no, what's going to um, happen. I agree. Right. Uh, the last thing I want to read before I let you talk about the Celtics here is Tatum and Brown are the fourth duo under 25 to be the, the top two scorers on a finals team. The others are... Do you want to guess who the others are, actually? This might be fun. Okay, sorry. So, um, three other duos where the two top scorers were under 25. Oh, wow. On a finals team. Boy, I wouldn't even have a guess. You know, maybe this series when, I mean, was Magic one of them with somebody? Like, no. Um, no. I'll, uh, I'll give you a couple of hints here. One, we we just mentioned one of them. Oh, um, yeah, obviously the Thunder. Yeah, Durant and Russell Westbrook. Yep. Uh, 
One was a team. This guy moved to another team and won a bunch of titles. Um, and the other one, uh, they did win titles when a player was uh, filming Space Jam. <laughs> So wait, the the Rockets were one of them? Yes. Really? Hakeem wasn't one of the top two scorers there? Or, oh, no, he sorry. was. He was okay, but I, I don't gotcha. think you'll get who the second player was. It was Hakeem and Ralph Sampson. Ralph Sampson, okay. So that, that, was, uh, that was in the 80s. And then the other one is Shaq and Penny. Shaq and Penny, uh, On okay. the Magic. Oh, gotcha. However, I, went the, I went the wrong direction. When you said filming Space Jam, I went straight to the Rockets instead of the Magic. Uh, well, he could have went for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had the wrong era of Hakeem. I had old Well, I, I, was, I was actually trying to go for Hakeem because they did win, but Ralph Sampson... I knew you weren't going to get Ralph Sampson because, like, who's going to remember that? Um, but the, the thing about those duos, uh, none of those other three duos made it to a finals. So... Wow. Um, there you go. That's my point, is that uh, you have to capitalize on your finals because you don't... There's no guarantee you'll make it to another one again. Um, but I've kind of went on for a while about the Celtics. Uh, Shellen, what did you kind of think about them? Well, I think the to go kind of on the negatives there and pile on a tiny bit with you, we talked during our preview article, like a big reason that both of us were high on Boston and high on the Bucks was because we have seen a run of defensive teams like Toronto and the Lakers and even those older Warriors teams being very, very good defensive teams winning the finals. Um, and I guess I just, I don't think either of us saw the Warriors transforming into a very good defensive team. You know what I mean? When we were talking this playoff preview, we were thought, you know, they were fine, but they really did a good job. I think Th- these weren't all unforced turnovers and all just misses by Boston. You know, they shot the lowest two point percentage of a finals team uh, at like 48% from two as a team. I think the, that's the worst since LeBron's first finals back in like 07 when they played the Spurs and he was 23 years old or whatever and had nobody with him. Um, so Yeah, it was great. the Spurs too, right? <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, we're talking like that's the level of bad shooting that Boston had um, against this Warriors defense that, you know, played hard and great and, you know, had the legs as the series went on. It was a game four or five when Tatum airballed like four shots in the fourth quarter, just short on all of them. We kind of just saw yeah, game of them just, you know, they, game they, five, their yep. rotation shrunk down to seven guys basically because a couple of their bench guys were unplayable and they got tired. But positive wise, um, yeah, Tatum didn't have a good series. I thought Brown had a pretty decent series, had the same turnover issues that Tatum does, I think, in a lot of ways, but he played hard and well. And Robert Williams, Time Lord, is terrifying. Like, I haven't watched a ton of Boston this season. And he really was kind of just a... He was decent last year, right? He wasn't, like, all NBA defense talked about too much. But this is getting to watch him six games in a row, even hobbled. That guy just erased a ton <laughs> of shots. And, um, man giving Smart the Defensive Player of the Year in retrospect, it, it looked terrible when Drew stole the ball from him twice in the last 10 seconds of that <laughs> game. 
And it looks even worse now when you watched him, you know, force a switch of Horford onto Curry at the end of game six there and just left him alone out there. Or saw the couple highlights of Clay and Steph hitting wide open threes while he was on the floor with his palms up, turned at a ref. Like, Tatum's a great defender, Brown's a great defender, but Time Lord is what makes that Boston defense as good as it is. Like, they were the best defense in the regular season in the NBA because of him, not. So I, I was very impressed with him. And then, obviously, very impressed with Horford as well, coming out and playing as well as he has all postseason. He had a couple games in the middle of the series where he looked his age, but he, he almost single-handedly won them game one. You know, he was kind of the difference maker in that game. And he really did almost everything he possibly could there in game six to keep it close also. Yeah, I, Orford wanted you could tell. And I yeah. think he, unfortunately, he ran out of gas. I think his, his old age caught up to him because I thought, was it um, game four to five they got the three days off? And I was like, oh, Orford's probably going to be pretty good because the more time off he gets, the more his body recovers, the better he's been. And that's been basically him in the postseason. But he just didn't have it in that game. It was like, okay, well, he's cooked. He's he's 36 and he's showing it finally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought in that game six, he was the one who kind of had the... Uh, he was like, we're not losing. He had, yeah. Yeah, he was the only guy who was kind of aware of the moment. I thought Tatum was ghosting on them and not doing anything. And yeah, I, I agree. I thought I was impressed with uh brown a lot too i thought he kind of sensed the moment at times too i think uh was it game five i think um yeah game five where they got off to the really bad start but tatum kind of was doing nothing he was deferring so much and brown was like he kind of started being a too aggressive but he was like okay if tatum's not going to start taking these shots i gotta start shooting the ball so at least it was like to me at least he showed the awareness of being like one of us has to be enforcing our will on this game uh, it didn't work for him i thought he was really sloppy and taking some bad shots but at least he kind of had this like uh mental awareness of like n- now is the time we have to be doing something so um i wasn't i was impressed by their young younger uh players um i thought they did show a lot i thought the moment might have got a little bit too big for them at the end and i thought they looked a little rattled but i mean they're 24 25 it's not that big a deal and um, I also agree on the Time Lord thing. One of the reasons why um, he's just erasing so many threes, too. His, yeah. Uh, we, we were discussing the drop a little bit uh, mm-hmm. in the Discord, and I was like, well, the drop works with Time Lord because he just recovers. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Uh, like they, they could try that, and you know, they did it for five games. They, they played pretty well on Steph for the most part, right? Other than the game four explosion. Yeah, I, I thought they did a pretty good job. Um, but I thought offensively it was the big problem for them. I thought defensively they were fine. I think they gave up. They gave up like the same amount of points almost every game. It was like one hundred four to one hundred eight, like every single mm-hmm. game. It was like so. What's it's 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 working to an extent. Obviously, if you could hold them to like under a hundred points, that would be great. But it was it wasn't killing them, right? They weren't having games where they given up like one twenty, one thirty, or something like that. So it was like it was working enough for them to be able to do stuff. But it was like. You got to change something up to try to help your offense because you got to start, you know, trying to get more steals or something because um, their half court offense was so bad. Um, it was painful to watch. As somebody who's had to watch a lot of Bucks half court offense and been like, right, <laughs> these guys got the brains of rocks. Like, uh, at least they didn't turn the ball over like the Celtics were. I was just, it was over and over again. Like, it was covered in grease. Um, so, um, 
you know, I think one of the positives for the Celtics is the only key player who played for the postseason over 27 is Horford. Everybody else is under 27. So like they have this good young core. Yep. Um, they should be a contender for a while. I'm not going to say that they're a finals team because the East is very loaded. Um, obviously the Bucks are still there. Um, they have to get through the Heat, the Sixers, the Nets. Um, there's some rising teams in the East. So it's not like they're favored amongst the East to make it to the finals, but they're not uh, a team where it's like. Uh, right. This is, a, I guess, a LeBron East team. LeBron. Right? Yep, exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, and they're going to have two tough series in the Eastern Conference Finals, even if they're the one seed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be tough for them to get back to a finals. I think they could. They could do it, but um, I don't think by any means are we looking at them as like they're going to be a dynasty type of thing. Where I, I think even when we thought that Thunder team lost, we were like, wow, this is a team for the future that could be ruling the NBA for 10 years. I don't think we see that quite with the Celtics, um, just because no, well, I don't think any of those players are as good as those, <laughs> those players. Exactly. But, yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I, I, before we get to our, our, my, I guess, do you have anything else you want to add about the finals here, Sheldon? No, I don't think so. I think the, the only thing was, you know, this is, it's, it's funny, me and my, I have another friend who I, I talk a lot of sports with and text back and forth a lot, who's a, a big NBA guy that, he's a Pacers fan, but has adopted the Warriors kind of just because he loves Steph. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, for, for a couple of years now, we've been talking like the only thing in sports that I could possibly want beyond the Mariners not being just a dumpster fire was a title for the Warriors without KD. And I don't know if, you know, if any of your questions after this are diving into that, but just like the, the feeling of, you know, getting this core a title and basically shutting the, the door on any possible slander of Steph is like, makes this one of the sweetest <laughs> sporting uh, memories I think I'll, I'll be able to have for a long time. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, I have some thoughts on that, but I'll say like the only players with uh, four rings and two MVPs are Russell Magic or two finals and or no, just sorry, two MVPs. Sorry, are um, Russell Magic, MJ, LeBron, Duncan, and now Steph. So it's a yep. pretty um, small list of players. And when we look at that, we're like, huh, those are all top ten players of all time. So he's he's in he's in that area at that era, I think for sure now. Right. Um, you know, I think I would. I know you have to talk about the KD thing. I would push back and say they would not have won those titles without KD. Um, even Kerr admits that like they needed somebody who could create one-on-one offense because that was their big problem. That's why teams were starting to catch up to him, beat them because they didn't have somebody else other than Steph to do it. They needed another guy who could really create an elite level, and that's why they had to get KD to win. Um, I think oh, if you were to make, yeah, I'm not saying that they that they would have won those without Steph or without KD, especially the first one that, you know, when they still had Kyrie and love that, that team for the Cavs was very good. 2018, when it was kind of LeBron and his cast of misfits, they might've been able to do it without Durant pretty easily still. But um, the, I was mostly just meaning like for all the talk that like, well, Steph can't win without another star. Like that, that's put to bed. Like we have proved. Well, that doesn't make sense because they had already done it. (laughs) Well, exactly, exactly. But, but yeah, yeah, no, I don't disagree, but that doesn't mean it, it wasn't being spoken. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I just think it's a lot of, um, we've, we've brought him up a bunch of times here, LeBron. I think it's a lot of LeBron fans don't like Steph um, because 
they were the rivals for so long. He beat LeBron in so many finals. So I think that's kind of what it is. Um, yeah, I agree with you. But it's like, I let's be real. I know you're a big Steph fan, but LeBron is way ahead of Steph in terms of. Oh, the- for sure. We're talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're saying yeah, Steph's it's, in it's the conversation like- for the top ten or twelve NBA players of all time. <laughs> LeBron's yeah. in the conversation for the top two. You know what I mean? And there's exactly. only two in that conversation. Yeah, no, no, mm-hmm. no, no. You'll never, ever hear me try to make a slanderous <laughs> LeBron argument. He's insane. He's incredible. His longevity is yeah. incredible. Um, uh, just a quick aside. I did see a crazy stat from StatMuse. They, they listed the difference in like accolades between um, LeBron and Steph, and it was that MVP-level quality of player between them. And I was like, holy. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It really puts into perspective how I, I know um, we do some LeBron hating on here, but it sometimes puts into perspective. Just, like, wow, yeah, he for was 19 really years playing at this level. Yeah. You'll never... Yeah, he's fun to joke on and clown on every once in a while, but he's incredible. And yeah, he's fun to because he's to watch him. Yeah, we've known him for so long, we're so familiar with them that it's like that's why it's kind of fun to clown on him. But it's like I think because there's a level of respect too, where it's like we know he's great, so it's like it's fun to make fun of him because it's like right. And what are we it's making? It's not fun, fun to make fun for? of bad players. It's, we're not making fun of him for his game or anything. We're making fun of him no. for his general manager skills and you <laughs> yeah. know, all, like all his other stuff. Yeah. yeah. His movie choices, it's like yeah, yeah. His Taco exactly. Tuesdays and all this, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, um, I guess the last thing that I wanted to say before we move on to my questions here, or my one question before we move on to our questions, not to be confusing to people. Uh, Celtics bench did stink. I think they scored five points in Game Six. Oh, they were horrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was what really doomed him. He kind of brought it up a little bit. Where like that's why Tatum airballed those four fourth quarter shots because he had to play so much because the bench was horrible. So. The Celtics, uh, that is a bit of a problem. If uh, I guess I'll bring it up here now. I think we might bring it up later. But, you know, Grant Williams was so amazing in that Game 7 in the Buck series, and then he was like a zero for the rest of, and every other game of the postseason. Like, look at his numbers, and he was horrible except for that one game. So it's like uh, they're going to need some more consistency from their bench uh, right. going forward. Uh, I guess I do want to ask you about the Warriors' uh, luxury tax stuff and the amount of money. Lake up is gonna, they're gonna pay all those guys, right? Because they're saying that like they're gonna have over a four hundred million dollar payroll. They're already over twenty five million dollars over the salary cap, so they're gonna be and then the repeater tax. You know, they're saying maybe like three years, eighty one million for Wiggins, twenty million a year for Pool. Uh, you know, they would have fifty million dollars on luxury tax just for resigning Looney and Gary Payton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like. Uh, there's no way he breaks because there's talk of like, oh, they could play the keep if they play the kids, Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman, saves them like $90 million. There's no way he doesn't just pony up, right? Because they just won the title. Everything I have read and seen and heard makes it seem like they're going to do everything they can to keep it together. Um, the real trick, I think, is going to be if a couple of these teams showing interest in Looney throw big dollars at him because they can only really offer so much with the way everything goes. So that's going to be the big one, but I would not be surprised to see, you know, Wiggins and Poole and Peyton all back. I, I think I saw some numbers that after luxury tax and repeater tax and everything's calculated, there it's like a $400 million salary or something like that next year for the Warriors, which is just right. crazy. But, they, but the simple fact is, you know, they're the most lucrative franchise in the NBA right now. NBA franchise values are still going up, so it still must be 
a positive value proposition for him to to dip that deep into his pockets for payroll. And they've proven that the talent on the roster is good enough to to get you those playoff games to increase the, the revenue even more. So I would be surprised if they didn't return almost everybody. I wouldn't be shocked if maybe Peyton or Looney got a big deal from somebody else that just, you know, had cap space to blow and the Warriors couldn't make the numbers work, but I, I expect basically everybody else back. Yeah. For people who don't quite understand like how much four hundred million dollars is, the salary cap and the NBA they have what's called a soft cap, so you can go over the cap. Like a hard cap would be like you can only spend this much money you can't go over. Soft cap you can go over, and if you're over, you have to pay a luxury tax, and then all the teams that don't go over the cap, they get to spread the money out amongst themselves. The cap is like $150 million. And right. we're talking that they're going to be like, have to pay out like $400 million because of luxury tax. That's like insane amount of money. Um, they did sell a little bit of the team a couple of years ago and part of the arena. And they, they raised about $500 million in anticipation of having to pay some of these insano um, payrolls. So, I mean, credit to them for uh paying it i don't know if you've heard all the stuff with the windy thing with the checkbook win and stuff like that but like i think that's a good thing that they're willing to spend on their own guys a lot too right because um they're extending yeah, guys I mean, they attract to develop so what what more could you want from an owner of your favorite sports team than they they hired apparently the correct people bob myers at gm and steve Kerr at head coach they've mostly stayed out of the way and let those people do their job and they've continued to spend as much as possible on the team. Like I think that's 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 what you would want for every sports owner, right? And he hasn't been in yeah. crazy <laughs> off field, yes. Yeah, stuff. like like so. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Steph's probably got two, three years max left, right? Where you're where he's Steph before he settles it to old man Steph, you know, being a bench shooter sort of guy. So you pay up. Yeah, he's, uh, Steph is no longer Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. He's got three years left on his deal. People are saying that you might align like a Wiggins deal with him for three years, so that way they both expire at the same time. Um, you know, there's talk about like because Draymond, he's extension ex- uh, eligible, and they might try to extend him to reduce his salary after because uh, he has a player option right. in his second year that he might extend to reduce his salary to try to help them out a little bit because he's not worth. There, his, uh, Shell, do you realize, do you realize it, his contract, he's got two years left. His years are $25.8 million to $27.6 million. In what world is Draymond worth $25 million? He's horrible. I don't say he's horrible, but he's nowhere near that. He's worth like a, he's like a $10 million player. That's crazy. So Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I mean, his value is tough to calculate based on defensive. You know, for what Steph runs the offense, Draymond still does run the defense, despite Wiggins taking the biggest assignment. You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I, I love Draymond. I love Clay, and I love Steph. So you're never going <laughs> to a, uh, a um, unbiased take from me off that. Now Draymond's worth $30 million a year. <laughs> Look, if you win a title, uh, as, as uh, Winterson always says, uh, you there's nothing, you know, you're, nobody any apologies or whatever he says, you know? Yep. You have to apologize for nothing if you win. So, look, um, they don't have to apologize for anything. Uh, and that actually gets me to now the first of my kind of like group of questions I wanted, our post-mortem questions. So we're moving beyond the, our, our specific finals talk here and our, our talk about the two teams. I'm sure we're going to talk about them here. 
Um, because my first question is actually about them. Which of the two teams that went to the finals, so the Warriors or the Celtics, is more likely to appear in the finals next year? Boy. Um, I will say Warriors for a couple reasons. Uh, and one is they still have Steph, who is the better player out of everybody. But two, I think that the, the Celtics were a little bit fortunate from an injury standpoint. I don't think that a full-strength Milwaukee team loses to them after having seen that series. Whereas, yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the West, like there are some teams that I think are definitely on the Warriors level or potentially even better if they're healthy. But we have no reason to believe that Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are both going to be healthy. Or Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are both going to be healthy. Or the Mavs are going to sign the missing piece. So I just think that the top of the West, there's a lot more question marks. And I think the Warriors, you could conceivably say, like, no, if they are healthy, they're the best team out there. Especially if the young guys chip in a little bit with Kaminga and Moody and Wiseman. So that, that would be what I would say. I'd say slight edge. I don't think I'd bet the house on either of them making it back, but slight edge to the Warriors. I agree in that sentiment. I would not bet either team to make it back. Um, I also agree Warriors, basically for the same reason. I think the West is worse than the East. Yep, especially um, the top. The top, yeah. The problem for the Celtics is this guy named Giannis Antetokounmpo, who yeah. bludgeoned them to death, basically, and they barely survived a series against him. Um, I think Miami is still good, and they're um, they're still shopping for another star. Um, you know, Brooklyn, maybe a full year of Kyrie, and if he stays, um, maybe a full year of Kyrie and KD. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe Simmons Harden show up and play maybe hard. yeah, Simmons. I forgot. I forgot he even existed. Yeah, yeah we didn't even mention him on our one podcast. Which nope, was really not once. <laughs> we totally forgot about him. <laughs> um, you know, maybe James Harden will um, switch over to a, a vegan diet. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> but you still got to feed. I just think there's a lot more teams at the top of the East. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple here that if you told me they were in the finals next year, I wouldn't be like, get out of here. I think I think in the West, there's about three to f- only three to three teams I think really have a shot to get in there, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think there are a lot, as you mentioned, with health for two of the teams, I think it's just a lot dicier for those yep. teams. Um, so I would, I would agree warriors. Um, so let's start now. We're doing some more of our, our look back ones. That was kind of a look forward one. I want to ask you a couple of look back ones here. Um, what team has the biggest regrets after this postseason? Oh, biggest regrets. Um, I mean, Phoenix probably like how in the world do you show up game seven against Dallas at home and lose by 40 and it'd be down by 30 or 40 points practically at halftime. Like, that's the worst performance of any number one seed in the history of the NBA and will probably never be topped. Uh, And, you know, I think that they matched up halfway well with the Warriors. You know, Chris Paul's age really caught up with them that series, so maybe not, but they have to think that they matched up well. And then watching Boston, they had to have felt good about that. Uh, And then Milwaukee, I think, also. And that one's... Less. Let, let's thing. hold the Milwaukee talk for a second. Yeah, here. We'll hold that. So, um, yeah, so Phoenix is, would be my number one because I don't think there's any other team that 
has to feel like they could have beaten the full-strength Warriors this postseason. Or, I mean, some of the teams could have believed that, but I don't think any of the other teams in the playoffs could have. Yeah, I agree, Suns. Um, we, I think we both picked them to win the title. We both thought that it was like, they were so dominant in the regular season. It looked like they were on the, a pretty clear path. That, I mean, they were the best team by far in the regular season. It was like, they had all the indicators that would have showed that they would be a good postseason team. The only question was Chris Paul's health, I suppose. But, you know, they'd been to a finals. Uh, everything was kind of lining up for them. The West was not looking that hot, really, in terms of the teams in it. And um, I think the I think the regret for them is that I think their window might be closed. Because um, yes. who knows yeah, if they're going to get eight somewhere back. else. Yep. Um, is Paul actually done? You know, can he come back and be this again at age, what, 38 next season? Mm-hmm. 39? Yeah. yeah. Like, they might have had a two-year window last year and this year. and They made it to a finals. Um, they were up 2-0 in the finals. Unfortunately, they got destroyed by Giannis. But um, a lot of teams have been. Uh, and, yeah, I, I do feel like they are, they are the team with the biggest regret. Um, I, did you hear that they might have had uh, they had a big COVID outbreak, though? Oh, I didn't see that bit, no. Okay, yeah, so um, the Athletic reported prior to some of the games later in the series, I think maybe game five or something like that, that they had had some um, a COVID outbreak on their team, including a player. And you want to guess what player probably had COVID? Hmm, who looked really bad at the end of the, <laughs> the Suns-Maverick series? Huh, yeah, maybe that player, who we all thought might have been injured, might have actually had COVID. Um, Interesting. As he hit had in the previous postseason actually. So um yeah, could have they could have gotten um railroaded by COVID and especially Chris Paul. Uh, that's the reporting out there. But even then we saw what Golden State did to Dallas. Like they shouldn't have even gone to seven games. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dallas I, was, I know Luca's great, amazing, but... but the rest of that team wasn't. Yeah, and for as dominant as they were in the regular season, they should have just steamrolled through teams. I mean, come on. That was... The fact that they struggled so much against um, the Pelicans, a team we didn't even like really talk about in the, in the uh, pr- uh, preview, other than I mentioned like very briefly for about 15 seconds. <laughs> uh, that was... Should have been... A, maybe that was more alarming than we realized, um, that they weren't as good as we thought, but... Uh, I think for a team that didn't make the postseason, that is the biggest regrets. Um, probably the Lakers, right? Yeah, I mean, anytime you've got aging here. stars like this, you you've got to, you know, if we talk about windows closing, you know, they don't have a lot of flexibility to add new players. So every year that LeBron doesn't get another championship is another year that you've lost, basically. Yeah. Um. I guess I guess my the other team we could have talked about was Brooklyn, but I, that was so self inflicted. I can't even you can't even have regrets about that. Oh, no, <laughs> no, opinion. when you get swept, like yeah, I mean, sure, Boston ended up being quite good, but I mean, they were the architect of their own demise with the Kyrie thing, so it's yep. not like you know um, that's not something out of their hands. That's directly in their hands. That could have been solved. So I don't feel like they really can whine and complain about much. Um, the reason, though, I wanted, I think, because I know what the answer you're going to say for this. The reason we've been holding off on Bucks talk here. What is the biggest what if of the postseason? 
it's just I should just say it, it's Chris Middleton getting injured. <laughs> yeah, it has to be. I mean, Boston obviously had the, the turnover issues and stuff, and the big collapse in the that game against the Bucks, and they they should have won that series, you'd think, with Middleton out, but didn't to the point where I think the Bucks probably win that series in six pretty e- easily if Chris is healthy. And we saw what they did to Miami last year. Different teams, obviously, but you got to think that that's a finals appearance for Milwaukee at the very least if Middleton's not hurt. And, you know, we could talk all day about the matchup between the Warriors and Bucks potentially being the kind of like the Bucks defense giving up a heinous amount of open threes, but the Warriors have God. literally <laughs> nobody that could even possibly <laughs> hope to slow down Giannis, leading to some just like two very good defenses that are both built in such a way that the other team can exploit it terribly. Um, <laughs> and two of the top five oh. players in the NBA going at it. It would have been fun. I mean, who knows what would have happened, but that, that's the biggest what if for sure. Yeah. That would have been like, both fan bases would have been complaining so much about their own teams. Oh, <laughs> like, it would have been crazy. definitely. Because Warrior fans would have been like, how, how come nobody, we have no interior, like, because you blew the Wiseman pick, basically, because he doesn't play. And it's like, how come nobody on our team can defend anybody big? We're just getting absolutely mauled all the time by Giannis. Yeah. And then, of course, Bud is going to separately stick by playing drop on. <laughs> Everybody on the Warriors is going to be like, Bud, you realize you can't play this all the time, right? This is, doesn't make sense. Um, Yep. Yeah, that would have been fun. I do wonder if that's a bit like, um, you know, for a long time, I think people wanted to see a Green Bay, uh, New England, Rodgers, Brady Super Bowl, and we never mm-hmm. got it. Because that would have been really exciting and fun. We all wanted LeBron and Kobe, because, you know, they were yeah. for a couple of years, and we never got that either. Yeah, we never got it. So I wonder if we maybe missed the window on the Warriors-Bucks. Um, yeah. Finals because it could happen to 2019 if the Bucks don't blow that 2 0 against uh, the Raptors. Yep. Could happen this that year. That was probably the year. Injured. Yeah. I think 19 was probably the year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess is that the time where I go in on the Bucks here? I just, yeah, I think uh, I don't, it's not that hard to ask yourself like, okay, they went to seven games against the Celtics without their second best player, a guy who dropped 40 points in a f- NBA Finals game. He went to swung one game in the favor of the Bucks. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just don't think that's that hard to think and, and realize. I agree they would have went to the finals um, if he had stayed healthy. If they win it, I also agree is another story. I mean, that's so sliding door. We have no clue what teams would have done strategy wise, and it's so weird because yep. they are like basically each other's Achilles heels. <laughs> so it's like, who knows what that finals would be like? I would say, I joked this with you. Here's some stats for you, some really good math that even Chris is going to be impressed by. Okay. Three is greater than two. This Whoa. Is true. <laughs> so I, I, think, uh, I think the Warriors threes versus the Bucks getting two because you can't rely on Giannis to always make his free throw. Might have been the difference, but who knows. Um, I do think that's the biggest what if uh, by a long shot because I think it changed everything. I don't... I mean... Right. If the Celtics don't win that series, are we talking about breaking up Tatum and Brown still? I, I you know, I don't know, right? Um, yeah. All sorts of things. Who knows? Because the West is really not any what ifs. You know what I mean? Like the Warriors won all their series without going to seven. Like the Memphis series was the only one that. I guess what if Jaw didn't get injured? I suppose. 
would be the only one over there. But the Warriors were up 2-1 and had just beaten them by 30 in the last game that Morant was healthy. So still, who knows mm-hmm. that. But that, that'd probably be the biggest what-if. Uh, yeah, probably on the West. Um, so that's kind of an easy question. And actually, so you, you mentioned uh, the Grizzlies. I want to move to my next one. The team in the playoffs this year that showed you the most. Who were you like, oh, hey, this team is actually showing me something here that you were the... I don't want to say necessarily most impressed because obviously you're going to say like, um, well, the Golden State Warriors, they won the title. But uh, the team that kind of like exceeded expectations maybe, I guess you could say. Honestly, for me, it might be Miami, who's a team that I just can't seem to shake a feeling that they're not as good as they actually are, regardless of how well Butler seems to play in the playoffs. Um, I, you know, maybe the sweep last year in the first round of the Bucks clouded my judgment, but they, they have their issues. They have their holes, especially with Lowry being hurt, that, that you saw a lot of that this year. But they play incredible defense, and Butler is one of those guys that he's he's not a top five NBA player, but in the playoffs, he's one of those guys that raises his ceiling and is just going to drag his team just kicking and screaming as far as he can. And then Spolstra is still one of, if not the best coach in the NBA. So I think they were the one that, that impressed me the most. Because I, I was talking them, you know, maybe losing to that disgruntled Philadelphia team or Toronto, I think even, who I think maybe we picked to beat Philadelphia. We did, both of us. <laughs> instead of almost making it to the finals like they did. Yeah. Well, they have a coach who uh, is apparently not afraid to fight his players, so it's a pretty impressive effort. Yes, indeed. indeed. That's <laughs> um, what you got to be willing to square up with Butler, huh? <laughs> yeah. I, um, about the Heat, yeah, I thought they were a little bit better than I thought they would be. You mentioned the Butler thing. Yeah, he's weird because he's like a in the regular season, he's maybe a top 20, top 25 guy. But then you get to the postseason, and he's definitely a guy you want on your team because he plays really hard. Yeah. And he he was a little inconsistent at the end of the series. I thought he had a, a couple of games where it was like, ooh, not so good, Jimmy. But uh, he's definitely a guy because he's, he's got no quit. No quit in him. That's what I feel like. So, yeah, I, I, I he, he definitely is a big game player, right? That's what I would describe him as. Um, the team I'll go with, because uh, the reason why I want to transition here, I'll say Memphis. I was pretty impressed by them. Last year, I know that they beat Golden State in the play-in game. A lot of people forget this, apparently. Um, and they they didn't do so hot in the first round. What a surprise. But um, I was pretty impressed by them. They had that really f- difficult first-round series. Um, Minnesota should have had more protesters show up to the games. They were undefeated 2-0 with protesters. Um, maybe they should have gotten some more, but that was a really, really bad matchup for them. Basically, the Wolves' size and length was really bad, and, and a lot of the places that the Grizzlies were strong, and the Wolves kind of countered them. So I was impressed they were able to overcome that. Um, thanks to the help of Chris Finch a little bit, uh, not calling a timeout as they're blowing, it's like a twenty-one point right. lead, and he's just leaving them out there. You know, uh, some question marks from the Wolves, but. <laughs> I was very impressed by them overcoming a very tricky and difficult series, and I thought they played the Warriors the best out of everybody. Um, yeah, they're a, they're a bad matchup for State for sure. Yeah, yeah. The they didn't play. The funny thing is, they didn't play Stephen Adams like at all. Though they busted him out, and he was like useful because they were like, "Oh, this is a good good time to play him." Um, 
you know, I think if Ja makes that layup in the first game and they're up 2-1 that's, uh, before he got injured, I mean, they still would have lost series, I think, with uh, once Ja gets injured, but I thought they played him really well. Um, they played hard. Jared Jackson Jr.'s got to stop fouling. God, it's ridiculous. He, like, looks at... It was like if Jaron Jackson Jr. got into if the Grizzlies got into a finals against the Bucks, he would look at Giannis and immediately foul out of the game as soon as the, the tip offs happened. It was crazy. He couldn't stop fouling guys. Uh, but whoop that trick. I was pretty impressed by him. Uh, they do have a little bit of the same problems where they are pretty systematic, I think, at times, but and they like to get up and down. That's difficult in the postseason. And Dylan Brooks got to stop shooting his team out of the game. I was impressed by them. I thought they showed a lot. Yeah, no, they're they're going to be fun. They're going to continue to make the playoffs and have good series against teams at the very least. Yeah. So here's a, a question. Hopefully this will make sense to you here. The team, this is a postseason-specific question. This is why I asked you to have the standings up here. This might help you a little bit. The team that made the postseason this year and then won't make it next year. And then kind of the, re- the reverse, the team that didn't make it in the postseason uh, this year, but you think will make it next year. And remember, the plan is, does not count. It's the playoffs. <laughs> okay, uh, I think the easiest one for me is the team that won't make it, and that's going to be the Utah Jazz, just because I think they're going to have a fire sale. Um, We'll see. We'll see what happens in free agency and those sorts of things. But I can't see Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert both being there when basketball tips off again in October. And I don't think that they're going to get a return on either of those guys that is going to keep them in playoff contention. I think they'll they'll fall out there. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them gone, potentially, with all the talk about that. So that would be my pick for the team that's going to miss the playoffs. And they were they were the what uh, six or five seed this year. Five. Yeah. And then for team that will make it that hasn't, um, I'll say the Cavs. I think that they got hurt by injuries. They were a very good team down the stretch this year during the regular season. Um, played very good defense. Mobley was amazing as a rookie. I think another year on all those guys, and hopefully don't have the whole team go up in flames. Uh, so either them or the Clippers, who kind of had the same issue. You know what I mean? They both made it to the very bitter end of the play-in, and then Paul George tested positive for COVID and missed the play-in game, and they didn't make the playoffs. So both of them were yeah. at and probably won't have the same terrible injury luck next year. So I would expect both of them, actually, to make it. Okay. Um, so I gave one for the East and the West. Actually, I basically have the same teams as you. So my... Uh, West team that probably won't Utah, uh, new coach. We know Quinn is gone. Yep. They have so much potential turmoil on that team. I, I think they might keep it together. They might not have a lot of choices. They might not be able to find a good trade partner and have to run it back. But um, maybe they will find a trade partner. I think they're just the most likely team to choose out of the, that those uh, eight teams. I think even over the Pelicans, I I was thinking about them because it's like. I know McCollum's not getting any younger. Uh, they actually were sub five hundred, so they, uh, I think true. so. They weren't actually they weren't actually good, <laughs> but they're getting Zion back, and that's a huge question mark that we don't know about. Um, that could work in their favor or against them, I, and I thought that was a little too easy to pick. So I also went with Utah. Uh, my East team, I said Atlanta. Their defense is terrible. 
and an injury to uh, Trey would totally submarine their season. Even no injury to Trey, they just, like I said, they can't play defense, man. They have like a top five offense and like a bottom five defense. That's not good. That That's not how you sustain. And I think the East is going to get better um, because I also picked the Cavs as my team to get in. They were like the sixth seed like all year until uh, Jared Allen and Mobley got injured and then tanked their season and they just didn't have the time to get it back. So uh, I actually thought that they were one of the six best teams in the East this year. So I think they're going to be that again with the improvement of Mobley. I also picked the Clippers as well. Uh, Kawhi's coming back and I'm crazy that I still have my Kawhi sock and I still believe in him, but uh, um, I don't know why. Uh, well, I do too. The last time we saw him on the court, he looked like the best player in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, legitimately. Mm-hmm. It, that was a long time ago. <laughs> a couple of playoffs yeah. ago, but it's tough to just erase that memory of him just murdering the Mavericks and uh, what the, was it? The Suns that they were playing when he got hurt? No, well, he was. They were uh, when he was on the. Remember, he was on the Spurs before all of this started. He was like yeah. killing the Warriors, and then Zaza injured him, and then yep. it totally put everything well, into this. We saw the playoff run he put together in Toronto, which is a untalked about offensive carry job for a defensive team and yeah, yeah. I, I i i'm very high on Kawhi, and he might never play again who knows but if he does <laughs> he's gonna be very good yeah yeah and he was yeah like you said he was really good too in that uh postseason before he uh tore his knee up as well uh quickly do you think there's a team that didn't make the play and that could potentially jump into the post uh, into a playoff spot. I don't want to say postseason because postseason doesn't include playing. I say playoff spot. Can you think um, of one? I'm not sure. I'm looking at the teams and so we're talking teams that didn't make the play in. Even can they yeah. make the playoffs? Is uh, is there a team that even has a chance? No, I, mean, we're looking I don't at think so. The the Knicks, the Wizards, the Pacers, the Pistons, the Magic, the Lakers, the Kings, the Blazers, the Thunder, and the Rockets. No, I don't think so. I mean, you're looking at, I, I suppose, the Lakers and the Kings would probably be your two options, and I just don't see that happening. Same. I, I, it, I mean, if it's yeah, anybody, I guess it's the Lakers, Lakers magically staying healthy, right? Yeah, because you have to hope AD and LeBron stay healthy, and yeah, they could be a, a at least a playing team, but um, if the Kings have the playoff mandate, I don't think they're making the playoffs again, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my... Last of these kind of more technical questions here, um, and you, I think, I think you might have given your answer already here. But which team will look the most different by the start of next season? So by opening tip off, which team Ooh. is going to look the most different from how they look now? That's a great question. Uh, I always talk like NBA has the best off season in sports because there is always, you know, the draft is fun because you got guys contributing right away. Free agency is fun. Mm-hmm. And then there's always one team that just goes nuts and has it happen. So I think I'm going to believe in the Jazz finding a way to move off some of these guys. So I think I'm going to say the Jazz. I think I don't know if they'll manage to move both or just one or the other, but I think they will manage to to at least be a very different looking team than they were this year. I think that's a pretty solid pick. They were my. I have this short list of themes here, and I'll read it to you in a second because I'm. I'm deciding between two teams here. Um, 
Atlanta and Miami. Ooh, and the okay. reason um, Atlanta has a lot of contracts that are in this like um, 10 to 15, 10 to 18 million dollar range, which are desirable contracts to move. And like I said, they can't play defense for crap. <laughs> I think they might be looking for like a four for one deal to try to uh, move a bunch of pieces to try to get a guy that can help them. Yeah. Um, and then Miami, there's a lot of rumor that they're looking for another star, that they're trying sure. to get like a type of Beal type of player. They don't have a lot to offer, though. It's basically like Hero is the corner the piece of the, yep. uh, of the deal. And it's like, okay, he's a sixth man. Um, and it's like, for salary reasons, you're moving like Duncan Robinson. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you can move some of those um, undrafted guys that look kind of okay, but they look decent. But it's like, I, I don't know if they can get it done, but I know that they want to. And can't really underestimate O'Reilly. Um, I think I'll say the Hawks, though. I think I think they, I think they will understand that like this isn't a core I mean, that's doing things. You need different players around Trey Young. Yeah, the the defense thing. I know we you kind of mentioned that we were both surprised by the Warriors' defense, um, but at the end of the season, the number one and number two net rating on defense were the Celtics and the Warriors. So you need to have good defense to make the finals, and. The Hawks are like 25th. <laughs> that's like... Uh, that's tough. Pretty far away. Uh, a thing that's going to get them there. I think they could be a potential bear trade team, uh, to be honest. The other dark um, horse here, I think, for me, would be Portland. Uh, because we're seeing reports that they're like trying to move the number seven pick, maybe for you know Jeremy Grant. Uh, maybe oh, yeah, that's down right. Down to Oklahoma City and for some assets to move with like the 12th pick for that. So like for whatever reason, they're convinced that they can do a quick rebuild within Dame's window. So we might see them make some really short-sighted trades for these empty stat guys like Jeremy Grant, which will <laughs> at least be different because you know when we last saw the Portland Trailblazers playing basketball, they were playing five guys that literally no one has ever heard of before. So just the fact that they'll be, in theory, playing five NBA players on the court next year will make them look a lot different. Yeah, them trying to go in win now mode for whatever reason um, could lead to some interesting decision making from them this next week or two. Yeah, that was that's an interesting one. That wasn't not actually my shortlist, but that was an oversight. Yeah, because they are looking to improve or improve their roster short term, which I think is a mistake. But um, I'll reach you a couple of my other teams here that I was thinking about. The Bulls, I think they might be looking to trade Vucevic, um, mm. and that Levine extension. Reports say that probably that he's going to resign, but one of the things is he wants to be the man. He doesn't right. really want to play second fiddle to DeRozan, which makes me think if he's resigning extension, sounds crazy. But could they be moving off of DeRozan? I hope not. He's great. I know he was like people were saying like, should he be getting like fourth or fifth place MVP votes this year? But if if that's part of Levine's mo for resigning, um. Uh, Makes me curious, I guess, is what I would say. Uh, I mentioned Atlanta because, um, I mean, John Collins has always been thrown into stuff, and I said they got a bunch of guys that in that ten to eighteen million dollar range. Utah, you mentioned Mitchell and Gobert. Um, thought the Lakers, they're gonna uh, try. Maybe try to. They're gonna try, but I, I don't think they can. That's the thing is they want to get off of Russ, but I don't think anybody wants him. I know he's an expiring, but. They don't want to attach any of those future picks, so they're not going to get rid of Russ. That's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, 
the Suns. Uh, I know it's only one player, Aiton, but oh, that's true. He's such a he's such a big part of their team. Mm-hmm. And they went to the finals two years ago, and he was a huge part of it. And if they move off of him because of his, he does he opts not to resign, and they have a sign and trade. It's like, what does their front line look like? That could be. I know, like I said, ultimately one player, but for a team that went to a finals to make a move like that, I think is pretty big. Um, I thought Brooklyn, because of Kyrie, who knows? I mean, uh, I don't know if they want to sign with that extension. I don't know if he wants to sign the extension. I don't know. That front office might want to move him, and is KD going to sign off on that? Kind of got no clue there. I think that's... You could put the same thing with like the Sixers. as kind of like, we have no clue what the hell's going on there. <laughs> Teams. <laughs> Right. Uh, I did say the Warriors because of the all the free agents they have, Wiggins, Looney, GP type of stuff. Are they going to move any of the young players? I don't think so now. Um, there's no reason to, I think, move Booty, Kaminga, and um, or Wiseman, sorry. Um, and then, yeah, Miami, I said, because I think they want to get a star. So I thought those were some of the teams. Portland was a good one that you mentioned. Um, I tried to pick teams that matter, so, you know, like, I think yeah, I can say Brooklyn because they're going to replace like all of their veteran players, but like those guys don't don't matter. So I don't want right. to. Say it. Um, so that was kind of it for my technical questions. I have two more here that are pretty easy ones before we wrap up and head out. What was your most memorable moment of this postseason? Ooh boy, um, probably a toss up between. Uh, getting the the joy of seeing Game Six, Clay, and then him doing the same thing in the closeout against the the Mavs in Game Five there, or Steph's forty three point Game Four in the finals. Like uh, that, that's cheating since that's kind of like three moments that I'm combining into two. But <laughs> it's tough for me to choose between those ones because Clay, you know, being obviously my favorite player, seeing him have a couple big games like that in the playoffs again was a joy. But then seeing Steph have you know that quote-unquote legacy-defining game there to to swing the finals back in the Warriors' favor was huge. Very fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I bet you think I'm going to say Drew Holiday steals the defensive play of the year from Marcus, <laughs> but I'm not going to. I'm actually going to agree with you. I would say the Steph 40-plus uh, game because that was a, as you said, called it, uh, legacy-defining game. That was a marquee, like, when we think of final, he has not had a game in the finals where we're like, we think about Stefan, we think about this game in the finals that he played. You know, there's like um Game five in twenty fifteen was his other kind of big one. That but that one's been eight years ago now, so who remembers that, you know? Right. I mean he Right. I mean he hasn't had a moment. Also, I think the difference was I think that team was a lot better than this team. Um, yeah. And I think the the stakes and the in the in the meaning of his points, they needed every single one of his points in that game because they were gonna get destroyed if he didn't save them and absolutely play out of his mind. So I think the stakes of being down 2-1, just his team was not there. I know Wiggins had the 17 and 16, but his team was not showing up to help him, really. They needed that Herculean effort from him. I think that's his, like, marquee finals game. You know, we can look back in history and say, like, well, the 50 point from Giannis, uh, Magic playing center in the closeout game on defense. It was... Um, LeBron and Kyrie, that game six game. Uh, yep. You know, there, there's like a lot of times with great players, there's a, a single moment that you can look back and be like, this was the finals game that we remember them for. I don't think Steph really had one um, that we would really, really, really think about. 
and I and I think this was it. You mentioned it wasn't just him scoring a lot of points. It was the, them needing every single point that he gave them. Yep. Yeah. Um. So that would be for me because it was. I mean, watching in real time was incredible because it was just like I can't believe this guy keeps doing this and he keeps making them. And I I just couldn't. It was just crazy because I thought that they were kind of getting outplayed for a good uh, stretch of that game for or stretch of that game, and he was just really keeping them in that game, and it was incredible to see and. Um, yeah, so I think that for me will be the one I'll remember. Um, mostly because I'll probably forget about the Drew one until I see, uh, once Marcus retires, I'll forget about it because every time I see him, I'll remember it because sure. I am annoyed by by Smart. But um, yeah, that's a Seth all time legacy game. Uh, so that's probably my most memorable moment. And then last question, really easy because we're going to answer the same thing. The best series from the postseason was three, two, one. Buck Celtics. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, easy, easy. Yeah, they had the had the most back and forth, most drama, closest games, and and especially for me, it was much less stressful. I was a slight Buck fan, <laughs> but I'm not like a Bucks fan. So, yeah, that's true. You don't have to complain about why are we playing Grant Hill over Javon Carter, <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm like, it's come to this moment. I know that we're toast when I'm like, Javon Carter is the answer to potentially solving our problems. I'm like, okay, we're done. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was a, a really great series um, to watch the teams go at each other. I know the, the officiating was a little strange in that one. People complained a lot about, I mean, Giannis probably got a ton of offensive fouls, I think it called, but it's like, the dude is, you gotta officiate him like Shaq. He's so much stronger. You can't reward the other team for falling over every time he touches them. It's, it's like, it's difficult, I think. But that was the, probably the highest level of both teams and all the games that we saw. And, um, you know, I, I, I am disappointed, of course, they lost, but we, I mentioned this very early now in this podcast because we're now, I think, over an hour. Um, uh, Grant Williams had that crazy game seven and produced nothing else basically for the entire postseason. At the time, I was so frustrated. I was like, why are we letting Grant shoot all these threes? And then as I watched the finals and he was putting up 0. 0.0 points, 0. 0. 0.0 points, one point type of stuff, I was like, yep. oh, okay, yeah. I feel a lot better about the decision yeah. in game seven to let Grant shoot the ball 18 times or whatever he did. Um, yeah, sometimes because, in those you know small sample size situations, the crazy high variance play happens and then Sometimes Harrison Barnes misses every single wide open three he takes, and you blow a three one lead. So you never know. You never know exactly. what's going to happen, right? Like it, it, it was a strategy, and it didn't work this time. But in an alternate universe, it certainly could have. Yeah, the math supported it, and it didn't happen. But whatever, you know. Um, so, Shellen, any other post mortem thoughts here? No, I'm very excited for the draft. I'm very excited for free agency. And then uh, a nice quiet summer leading into to next season will be a lot of fun. I will revel in this. Still need to pick out a, a t-shirt. I haven't bought a Warriors t-shirt in quite a few years now. So gonna going to go do that for myself and enjoy enjoy the win. You, you don't have like a, a Light Years t-shirt that you would have bought? <laughs> I don't. Recently? You know, it's actually funny. <laughs> I, I was looking. I, got, I bought a Warriors t-shirt the night that they drafted Clay. And that was the only uh, Warriors item I've ever actually purchased for myself uh, and ever really? owned at all. Yep, I didn't, I didn't buy one even after their first title or any of their other ones. But I think I, 
I think I might hear since that other one's quite the ratty old, you know, it's 2011. Uh, <laughs> I bought that one. It's time, <laughs> yeah. to, it's time to never let that shirt see the light of day again, I'm sure. So it's time for a new one. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You're more of a Clay fan than a Warriors fan, too. So it's like, I think we mentioned this a little bit, I think, in the previous one. If like Seattle got a team back, you would probably jump ship after Clay retires to Seattle. So it's not like oh, it's definitely. your. Uh, do or die team, right? So it's like the team you like now. So I that makes sense. Um, but I think that's gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna try to convince you to reconvene at the beginning of or before the season starts. I think we might steal the Zach Lowe five teams that most intrigue you bit um, as our season preview after we kind of see free agency in the draft and kind of talk about some teams for some fun before the season and make some. Uh, preseason f- picks about the finals and postseason, and maybe some other stuff. I don't know. That sounds I fun. Decided, I'm in. But yeah, although like, that was really hard to convince him to do, right, everybody? <laughs> it was real hard. Uh, with that said, uh, I guess we will see people in what would that be, Shella? Like August, September? I'm not quite sure. Probably yeah, September-ish. NBA season starts in October. Uh, so yeah, late September-ish, probably, if we're being timely about it. So three months or so. So yeah, uh, if you made it to the end of this, I hope you enjoyed it. If you don't like basketball, made it to the end of this, that's incredible. Great job, you. Uh, thanks for listening. And yeah, we'll see everybody for sports ball. I think before that, we'll see everybody for the uh, Austin Grand Prix with John. And in basketball, we'll see you in a couple months. Bye now.